0: Reading Malachi, verse chapter 3, 1 to 5. See, I will send my messengers who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can enjoy the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or laundry soap he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver he will purify the levites and refine them like gold and silver then the lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Jude and jerusalem will be acceptable to the lord as in days gone by as in former years so i will come here to you for a judgment I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty."
1: Church, let's pray. God of grace, we come to this passage with fear and trembling at the launderer's soap at the refiner's fire. We approach this passage expectantly, Father. We pray that you might come and we pray that you might bring forth your word from it and reveal your truth to us through it. Father, we pray that we may allow ourselves to be challenged. We pray that we may allow ourselves to be encouraged. We pray that we might see ourselves within this passage. Loving Lord, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. In Jesus' name. The people said... Oh, Amen. Okay, Church, I've got a job for you this morning before we get started. I'm wanting, to, uh, wanting you to imagine that you've got a job as a graphic designer. You've just got a job as a graphic designer at Goldmark, and it's your job to design a brand new Christmas card. What are you putting on the front cover? You've got an open page, you've got blue sky, you can do whatever you want. Something out of the box, something original. What are you going to put on your Christmas card? Perhaps, like many people, you might go for the traditional choirs of angels singing glory, hallelujah, peace on earth, to to man on whom his favour rests. You might, of course, think of the the Christ child laying in an animal's feed trough. But if you're a Malachi... The picture that you would paint is of an adult Jesus with a beard, a grown Jesus with overalls on, with a mop and a bucket of bleach. That is his his image of the Messiah, of the Christ. Because ultimately that is what Jesus came to do. Jesus ultimately is what Malachi is pointing out to us here, is that Jesus came to cleanse and to refine. Malachi, in his little prophecy here this morning, speaks of a couple of different very powerful images, of course, of the mop and the bucket that I just showed you with the kids, but also of a refiner of silver or of precious metals. Both of these images talk of cleansing and of purifying, of making a person useful once more to God. Because remember, that is ultimately Jesus' mission. That was what Jesus actually came to do. So if you've got the passage open in front of you, you can see it there on the screen. I hope that's uh, big enough for you if you haven't got your own eye thing or your own Bible. But the prophet Malachi is speaking some four to 500 years before Christ. Now, the prophet Malachi is the last of the Old Testament prophets. So he's speaking, he, he, he's prophesying, looking forward to the coming Messiah. They've been waiting for generations and generations, and and Malachi is the last of them. The book that bears his name, his prophecy, is the final book of what we call the, the Old Testament. After Malachi, there is a period of some 400 years of apparent silence from God. The context that Malachi is speaking into is that the, the Jews, the Israelites have returned home to the promised land. They've been exiled in Babylon and now they are home. If you were with us earlier in the year, you would have uh, known that the, the God's people, the, the Israelites, the tribe of Israel, God's chosen people through whom he would bless all tribes of the earth, had a long record, a, a long rap sheet of, of wandering astray. Of going their own way, of turning their back on God, of, of disobeying him, of thinking that they know better. So time and time and time again, he would send a prophet to them, calling them back to God's path. Now a prophet wasn't necessarily someone that foresaw the future. They didn't tell the future. They didn't sort of, they weren't a foreteller of the future, as much as they were a teller. They would speak God's truth into a particular time. And place. This is what God wants to say to this people in a particular time and place. And the biblical model of prophecy, just by the way, is a bit of a sidebar, is that prophets know the people to whom they're speaking. The prophets lived with the people. Quite often today you hear of sort of traveling prophets, people that sort of uh, car that sort of name themselves as a prophet and will come and, and prophesy uh, into various contexts. But the biblical model is of a prophet who. Who knows the community, who is one of the people who shares their destiny. And so Malachi is speaking to a people who have returned home from exile. They'd wanted astray, and God allowed them to be taken captive and tragically taken to Babylon. A couple of generations pass, an entire generation of people die in exile in Babylon, but eventually. They are allowed to return home and they start to rebuild. There is a sense here that God is starting afresh with his people. He's allowed them to be conquered, tragically, heartbreakingly, but they return under people like Ezra and Nehemiah and they start to rebuild the city walls. They rebuild their homes. They start to rebuild the all-important temple in Jerusalem And, and things start off well. Things go well initially. With a great flurry of energy, they, they rebuild the city walls, famously under Nehemiah, but again, sadly, the old patterns fall back into place and they get a bit, well, frankly, they just want to build their own homes. They do their own thing. Rather than looking at building a house to worship, they look at just looking after themselves and building up fancy homes for themselves. They again start to go off track and disobey God's good life-giving commands. They start disobeying the the Sabbath. They they fail to keep the Sabbath holy. They start lying and and cheating one another. They start embezzling. And to top it all off, many of the priests were involved in these sinful acts as well. So after a a good start, things are quickly starting to, to fall away. And so yet again, God sends Malachi, sends a prophet to them and say, hey, you're heading in the wrong direction. Return to God. And so that is the context that, that Malachi is, is speaking into. It's a word of, it is a word of warning for a people that just fail to be able to heed God's word and to follow his good life-giving commands. But isn't that our story as well? Isn't that modern Australian's story as well? Failing to heed God's good life-giving commands. We here in Western society, I think, are in a similar situation. That We're, we're fast turning our back on our Judeo-Christian heritage with, with devastating results. Devastating results. So I think this is a, a word to us here at Bondi Junction as much as it is to the people of Jerusalem back 400 years before the time of Christ. To a people who think they know better than God. To a people who think, I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going to reject God's commands and, and really just do, do my, my own thing. So God speaks to the prophet Malachi. And he says there, if, you see, if you've if got eagle eyes there, you can see in verse 1 there's actually two messengers. It speaks of two messengers. One is a messenger that goes ahead to prepare the way. Now, of course, this we uh, recognize as, as John the Baptist. And then a second messenger comes described as the messenger of the covenant. Now, this word covenant uh, comes, I think it's got Latin roots. It, meets, uh, it means coming together. It means a, a joining together to make a, an agreement or a, or a contract or a, or a promise to each other. It's a, it's a contract, a promise between God and, and his people. This is the Lord breaking into human history. This is God coming again, but coming in a way that is quite shocking and in a way that is quite scary. He says, I will refine you like a refiner's fire, like a a silversmith refines that precious metal, or like a strong launderer's soap is what the the original uh, Hebrew text implies here. Not your regular kind of, everyday soap, but a launderer's soap, the industrial strength stuff. This is what is coming for God's people. It should be a little bit scary. He's coming to purify us. He's coming to cleanse us. He is coming to, to heal us. He gives us some examples there later on in verse 5 of some of the things that he's not happy with, some of the things that he says he, God himself, will testify against. He gives us a list of things here that he's not happy with, things that needs to be cleansed and and purified and purged from his people. He lists some things, doesn't he? He says sorcerers, engaging in in occultic practices or spiritualities that are not of God. He's not happy with that. Adultery, he mentions, breaking of the marriage vow is is so devastating, both then and now. I saw a a meme this week on, on social media, and it said, God didn't tell you to break your marriage vows. That was the devil. It's devastating. He goes on to talk about perjury or lying under oath. People lying and giving false witness, false testimony. It's harmful for a society. He goes on about people who don't pay workers their proper wages. A fair day's work is worth a fair day's pay. Those who oppress widows and orphans take advantage of those who are are vulnerable. He's not happy with this. Those who deprive justice to the foreigners living amongst you. These are issues that Australia is still facing today. So these are the things that God is calling out through his prophet Malachi. Do you see any of these things in your heart? Do you see any of these things present perhaps within our community or within the Australian society? I'd be keen to hear from you if you do. God himself says he will come and testify against such people. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to judgment day and have God himself testifying against me. That would be pretty scary, wouldn't it? Yet that is what he says is is going to happen. He says that only the righteous uh, and acceptable offerings are those that have been refined. In verse 3, he talks about righteous offerings, and then in verse 4, he talks about uh, that that, which is acceptable. I think this is God's way of saying, if you're going to come to church and sing the songs, and if you're going to talk the talk. You'd better be prepared to walk the walk. If your life Monday to Friday doesn't reflect the image you present here on a Sunday, then you could be in for a bit of cleansing and a bit of purifying. It's a common theme, isn't it? That, uh, that really, that you need to make sure that your heart is in the right place. You're not just mouthing the words. You're kidding yourself, friend. If you think if you're living in ways that are contrary to God's will, that you can come here on a Sunday and have God bless your words that you sing, to have him bless the polite things that you say. You've got you've to live it out. But this should be a bit of a scary, a scary proposition, I think, cleansing and purifying. The great Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Talks about in one of his famous Advent Servants way back in, in 1928. Bonhoeffer became famous for standing up to the Nazis in his time in, in Germany and eventually was, was martyred for his faith just before the end of the Second World War. And he says this on this passage uh, back in 1928 he says, It is very remarkable that we face the thought that God is coming so calmly whereas previously people trembled at the day of God. We have become so accustomed to the idea of divine love and of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. We are indifferent to the message, taking only the pleasant and the agreeable out of it and forgetting the serious aspect that the God of the world draws near to the people of our little earth and lays claim to us. The coming of God is truly not only glad tidings, says Bonhoeffer, but first of all, frightening news for every one of us who has a conscience. Only when we have felt the terror of the matter, says Bonhoeffer, can we recognize It's incomparable kindness. God comes into the very midst of evil and death and judges the evil in us and in the world. And by judging us, God cleanses and sanctifies us, comes to us with grace and love. Being cleansed, being scrubbed clean is a scary proposition, but it is ultimately for our good. It's ultimately for our good. This is ultimately good news. These little metaphors, these little images of a a cleanse, of a strong soap or a finest fire, actually simply point to an even stronger cleansing agent, and that is, of course, the blood of Jesus himself. He cleanses us by his blood. It's a strange bit of language that we Christians use. It rolls off our tongue, doesn't it? Are Are you washed in the blood? There's even an old song. Are you familiar with it? Are you washed in the blood? It's a strange concept for people in the world to hear being washed in the blood. Sounds kind of gross. But to the follower of Jesus, we understand that it washes us wider than the snow. Amen. It contains no imperfections of its own. So it soaks up all of our filth, all of our sin, and does away with it once and for all. Washes us clean and makes us presentable once more to a perfectly holy God. As I was researching this passage this morning, I found this little anecdote, this little image that I'll leave you with today. It was of a bunch of women doing a Bible study on the book of Malachi. They were working their way through the book of Malachi, and they got to this passage from chapter 3, and they didn't really understand the imagery, didn't really understand what a silversmith was all about. So one of the women actually volunteered to go and find a silversmith and watch him at work. She didn't tell him what it was all about or what the task was, but she just sat there and silently watched this silversmith at work. She watched him sitting in front of a hot blast furnace, watched him hold the, the molten metal, the, the crucible, under the hottest part of the flame. And he said, She said, does it have to be right there in the hottest part? And he said, absolutely. He said, that's the only way to get the impurities out of the metal. She thought about that for a second, and then she saw him sitting there in his protective gear, and thought, is it, is it, do you really need to be there? Do you need to sit there while all of this happens? And he said, absolutely. He said, if I take my eye off it for a split second, if it's in there for a moment too long, the batch will be completely ruined. She said, well, how do you know when it is done? How do you know when your work is done? How do you know when the when the metal, when the silver is ready? How do you know when it is completely pure, and he said, oh, that is easy when I can see my image in it. God comes to us in the form of Jesus Christ and washes us clean in order to make us like him, to purify us and to refine us, in order to use us. You don't send your clothes off to the dry cleaners if you don't intend on using them, do you? You only send your clothes to the dry cleaners if you intend on wearing them again. Friends, we are washed clean by the blast furnace of of God's saving, gracious love. It can and indeed should be a little bit scary for us, but know that he's doing so for our own good. He's doing so to make us more like him, to make us more clearer image bearers of his love for our world and he's doing so in order that he might use you, in order that he might be able to use you in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to our world this Christmas. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is indeed a confronting image. None of us like the thought of being scoured and cleansed. We don't like the thought of the need of having impurities within us blasted away. Yet nevertheless, Heavenly Father, we confess that we are indeed in need of your saving grace. We are indeed in great need of your purification. We are in need of your blood, the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, to wash us clean. Father, we realize that the ultimate meaning of Christmas, the ultimate end of Christmas is, in fact, Easter, the Easter story. So this Christmas, through all the tinfoil, through all the mountains of food that we will no doubt be consuming, through all the presents and the gift wrapping, through all the sweetness of new birth and of that newborn infant, Placed within that manger, Father, we pray that you might remind us of the costliness of bringing us into a right relationship with you. We pray that you might remind us that 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 Christ child grew to be a man. That he died our death in our place at the cross of Calvary. Thereby washing us clean, whiter than the snow. Purifying us. Cleansing us in order that we might be your image bearers, in order that we might be your messengers, in order that we might go out to be your hands and your feet and your voice in a broken and hurting world in desperate need of your saving grace. In Jesus' name, the people said. I couldn't, uh,